with any type of self-improvement, you have to have some level of discomfort. If you stay in the same bubble and you consistently never uh, get into a level of discomfort, it's hard to make true change. And you see that with exercise programs. If you come in and do the same workout every single time and, and it's not, you never sweat and your heart never elevates and there's no strain to it, it's really hard to make gains in your fitness and your strength and your balance and your overall wellness. It's, it's hard to. So being uncomfortable, whether it's physically in your wellness programs or in, in your quest for self-improvement, we have to have some level of, of discomfort. Welcome to today's new mashed up podcast called The Clinic Update. This is where we take previous content and mash it into one awesome podcast. My name is Jill and I'm your content editor for today. The definition of sabotage is an act or process that tends to hamper or hurt. Self-sabotage is hurting yourself by destroying or undermining something you have deemed as important. And we tend to do this in a covert manner. No matter the terminology you use to describe these actions, this behavior hurts ourselves and others. So how can we recognize this in ourselves and begin the process for changing our behavior? In this first session, we recap a 4% club call where Rob discusses self-sabotage and how it can keep us from reaching our individual goals. some of the self-defeating behaviors that we do that prevent us from staying consistent overall long term what are some of those motivating factors that prevent us from just staying on our program and it's this might seem easy to be like oh i'll just keep doing it i'll be fine we're humans we are 99% emotional so we have to we have to take that in consideration okay so have you ever been working towards a uh, important goal only to absolutely fail spectacularly? And it's because you did something really stupid. You were doing really well and you were kicking butt. All of a sudden you did something stupid, really stupid and made you fail. Or have you ever feel super stressed, anxious when you're trying to achieve something really important and it really just stresses you out and you're worried about it all the time? 
And you might even become more and more frustrated and discouraged and angry with yourself over trying to achieve that goal if you're not seeing the success coming. You start just really eating at you. And you kind of feel trapped, like you're not really doing what you should be doing or need to be doing. So these all here, what I just described, are really signs of self-sabotage. And the self-sabotage essentially erodes our confidence and our self-esteem, and it affects your relationship with others and yourself overall. And each failed attempt to do what you really want to do just proves to yourself that you can't do it or you shouldn't be doing it. You know, and you think of um, a lot of sabotage, you're looking at business sabotage. You're looking at, you know, um, business situations where you have an insider that's trying to infiltrate the group and, and sabotage what they're doing in a negative way, in a harmful way, kind of in a, in a secretive spy way. But self-sabotage is used um, in the same destructive behavior, but it's directed only at yourself. And at first, you might not even know you're doing it. You might not even know that you're participating in self-sabotage. It's not even part of your conscious level. You're just doing it subconsciously. You don't even know why. But when those negative habits start consistently undermining your efforts, then that can be considered a form of psychological self-harm. So self-sabotage and self-esteem, what's the link between those two? One of the key reasons people self-sabotage is from a lack of self-esteem. And when you say that, it sounds kind of dirty. Like, oh, you're telling me I'm insecure. Well, there's a level there. It doesn't mean you're a bad person, and it doesn't mean that you're flawed. It just is what it is. With our self-esteem and insecurity is low, we tend to sabotage ourselves. So this can have different causes that uh, self-sabotage and lack of self-esteem. This can have many different causes that, if, that affect the same thing. It can create feelings of worthlessness, the belief that you don't deserve success, self-hatred. You may worry about failure if you, if, you know, overall. You might worry about not succeeding, but not for yourself. Individuals that are sabotaging themselves or, or, or having low self-esteem, they're thinking, well, what will my family think if I don't succeed? Now you're worried about that. But you're also thinking about, what if I'm successful? What if I do really well? Are my coworkers going to treat me differently? Is my husband going to see me differently? Are they going to treat me differently? Have you ever succeeded in something that people's response to you is different. Who does she think she is? Oh, she's all neat. That's how we think. That's the way we, we worry about succeeding too much. We, because then we stand out. By standing out, it feels like we're exposed. So what do we do? We self-sabotage. Even though we have the skill, we have the will, we start sabotaging ourselves. Some people will sabotage to feel in control of their situation. So what do people do when they feel out of control? They try and regain control. And they'll regain control by, by sabotaging themselves. They can control their failure. They can't always control their success. That's a hedge. Because it's, soft, it's easier to let people know you didn't fail 
It's because of something else, the reason you didn't succeed. If everything was fine, I wouldn't have failed. Instead of just owning it, I sucked today. I absolutely sucked. I'm going to have to work harder. But we can't always live like that. So we, we feel like we need to control our situation. So sometimes we control that by failing. The other way we control it is we will uh, rescue a, sat, a situation we sabotaged. So we, um, we subconsciously made a mistake. But now I'm going to do all this work behind the scenes to bring it back. And look at this. I completely saved it. This was headed for a train wreck and I saved it. Look how good I did. And it gives yourself a little bump of excitement of look at how, look at me. I made it. Even though you did it in the first place. Even though you're the one that bunged it up and made it a mess. But you feel good about rescuing it. But that's a failing long-term solution because eventually you run out of steam there. So how does self-sabotage truly damage you? It sets you up to fail in multiple ways. One, self-sabotage reinforces negative behaviors. And it truly eats away at your potential. You find yourself constantly falling short of your goals that you've set for yourself. It can damage your reputation. Who do you want to be known by? Your reputation is a collection of your closest people on how they view you, which then means how you view yourself. Now, why even start? Because I know I'm just going to quit two months. Self-sabotage that damages you by you act passively, passive-aggressive, and have trouble managing your anger. People with low self-esteem who self-sabotage tend to be extremely passive-aggressive. All I can think of is Facebook, baby. Holy sh salad. Oh, my gosh. I look at Facebook and, oh, passive-aggressiveness all over the board there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But whatever. Um, these failures and disappointments create further feelings of guilt and frustration. They, they slowly erode who you are and it damages your own self-esteem and your own self-talk. This builds into shame and fuels your overall low self-esteem. It just keeps the cycle going. So how would you defeat self-sabotage? It's going to happen. How do you defeat it? One, you got to recognize that you're actually doing it. You have to recognize self-sabotaging behaviors. So think of the goals that you've had for a long time that you want to accomplish. Are you lacking in motivation? Are you putting off making a decision that you need to make? Do you do something that frustrates the people that are around you? Is there an activity or task that nags at you and causes you dissatisfaction because you couldn't do it or you think you could do it better? Tune into the problems that and the situations that are that are they're decreasing your motivation and, and figure out the why. Figure out the why. So you have to one, recognize it's there, and two, find out the why. Understand the why. Strip yourself away and figure out why. Why do I not want to be there? Why do I not want to do this? Why do I not want to follow? Where is my motivation going? Find the why. Two, understand the emotion that leads to that behavior. 
Self-sabotage behavior stems from feelings of anxiety, anger, or worthlessness. Spot the thinking or beliefs that cause the emotion. So often the emotion that, that led to your negative behavior was caused by irrational thoughts. Look at the evidence of what's leading to that irrationality. What are the thoughts behind it? My boss completely snubbed me and he doesn't like me. He's probably going to fire me out. Why even put my energy into this, this project anyways? That's completely irrational. <clears throat> Just because they didn't say hi to you in the hallway. None of, that, none of that leads to be true. So the key for you is find out the root, the emotional root that's preventing it, and then start walking it back. Is there legitimacy to it? Is there rationality? Because you know what the alternative is? Just write a passive-aggressive Facebook post. I mean, that cures everything. <laughs> I mean, that, that fixes 99% of the world right there. I mean, I see it all the time, so it must be working. <laughs> so, notice what you say to yourself. When you engage in self-sabotaging behavior, write down those negative thoughts, write down your negative talk. And it seems funny to be like, well, negative talk, who talks to themselves? We do it all the time. And we don't sit there and go, I suck. It's more of just, I, it's doubt. I don't know. Am I on the right, am I, am I, am I doing the right workout? Is Rob giving me the right stuff? Am I working hard enough? Am I following it properly? It just comes a self-doubt. Every time you question yourself, that's negative self-talk. Why isn't it, hey, I'm just going to stay true. I'm going to keep doing me and I'll get there. I'm, I, it doesn't matter when I get there. I know I'll get there. I'm just going to keep doing my thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy the process. It's not so much about the goal. It's just about the journey. I'm going to take it a step at a time because I enjoy doing this. I'm going to do me one day at a time instead of the, the self-doubt. It can be difficult enjoying the process of self-improvement, but I like the reminder that Rob gives us. It's not about the goal, it's about the journey. Self-sabotage and self-esteem, they're closely related. Rob gives us relative information as to how to improve our self-esteem, which will help reduce any self-sabotage we may invoke on ourselves. Life, it is a grind, and insightful strategies are given in this segment to help us increase our self-esteem through self-improvement. You're going to want to keep on listening. By looking at 15 simple ways that you can make self-improvement that will change your life. And what I mean by uh, self-improvement, it doesn't have to be um, like big drastic changes where you shave your head or something. It's, it's just small steps that, that you're going you're gonna to take that over time collect to be a, a big change for you or a change that's impactful for you. It doesn't even have to be big. So the biggest thing from this to take from these 15 is looking at um, consistency and determination and, and a willingness to, to feel uncomfortable. With any type of self-improvement, you have to have some level of discomfort. If you stay in the same bubble and you consistently never uh, get into a level of discomfort, it's hard to make true change. And you see that with exercise programs. If you come in and do the same workout every single time and, and it's not, you never sweat 
and your heart never elevates and there's no strain to it, it's really hard to make gains in your fitness and your strength and your balance and your overall wellness. It's, it's hard to. So being uncomfortable, whether it's physically in your wellness programs or in, in your quest for self-improvement, we have to have some level of, of discomfort. So let's go ahead and start with these, these 15 tips on, on improving your self-improvement. That should be simple. They should be things that we all can start changing today. So number one, there, there has to be a willingness to work hard. With, if we want something truly bad enough, we have to be able to put in the time and, and the energy to get there. There has to be some level of, um, of uh, determination to where you say, I want to make this, this change. As you know from either the fitness programs or when we talked about previously uh, a pain, depression, sleep cycle without looking to make um, that change and make it consistent, it's not gonna happen. So number one is, is you have to be willing to, to, to work hard. It, it has, has to be there. And what I like to see this is, is that action is really the most important part. It doesn't mean that you have to be the hardest worker on the block. You just have to be willing to put it into action. And one of my favorite sayings is, we're just going to fail forward. I, I talk about it in the office here all the time. We start thinking about a program. We're going to do this. And before it's truly ready, and it's absolutely perfect, we're just going to fail forward on it. And what I mean by that is we're just going to get it into motion. And we're just going to start acting. And we're just going to start getting the process going. Because once we get it going, we can see what it is or what it isn't. And when we find out what it isn't, then we can modify it. And we can start making changes. But a lot of times we get so stuck on, on, on what it has to be that we just never get moving. Uh, number two, make sure you have friends who you can talk to. So when we're talking about self-improvement, this, this is important. It's important to have people that you can, you can bounce ideas off of. Um, this can be anybody, though. And what I mean by that is you want to have, you wanna have uh, cheerleaders, but also people that will see that they'll hold you accountable. So when I'm talking about cheerleaders, you've got to have those people that will support you overall. You have to have those people that no matter what, even if you're making terrible mistakes, will look and still support you, love you, give you all of the feedback that you need. But you also have to have the people that will keep it real. And what I mean by that is you need to have people that will actually tell you how it is. Uh, the, the one person in my life that consistently does that is my wife. And she is fantastic about keeping it real. She is both sides of that coin. She will give me the utmost support and tell me and be a cheerleader, but she is my truth serum. And she will let me know when my ideas are high in the sky or if they're, they're legitimate. And she'll also let me give, give me that check to tell me, hey, you're not heading down the right path. You're going the wrong way. So to have a, a people in your life and not just one, but to have multiple people in your life that will, that will hold you accountable, that will allow you to um, vent to them, but also will keep you in check is vital. It's vital. Number three, adapt to your circumstances rather than overthinking them. Instead of overanalyzing every situation and, and, uh, and trying to think about, well, what's the best, best kind of scenario here? Here's the outcome I want. If I do this, it'll do that. And a lot of times in life, we tend to overthink everything. And we're looking at the, the best possible solution. And, and 
And, or we're looking at the mistake that we made and how we should have done that. And we overanalyze how we should have done it differently. The, the key is not so much um, uh, uh, trying to uh, analyze every situation, but it's more to adapt to it. And, and when we look at um, uh, adapting, what I mean by that is the more we focus on something that tends to expand, individuals that will have uh, some level of drama that will be placed on them. And the more that they talk about it and the more that they expand on it and the more it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it turns into this big, huge um, emotional uh, outburst. And uh, that's not always the best thing for it. It's more about looking at the, at the current situation, looking at uh, the, the, the situation at hand and how can you react to it? How can you adapt to it? Um, life itself is, is never perfect and it's never easy. Um, it's usually, I call it a grind. Life really overall is a grind. And, and knowing that it's a grind and choosing to adapt to it constantly gives you a better peace of mind. And it gives you a better peace of mind because when you just accept the fact that life is not going to be easy, it's not going to be perfect, it's not going to be um, consistent at all, then it allows you to, to, to open up your mind to say, okay, since it's not consistent, easy, I just have to adapt. And that might, what is today might not be tomorrow. Who you are is what you do most consistently. And when a lot of times when you think about being consistent, you're thinking about discipline, you're thinking about willpower. And, and I mentioned in previous talks, willpower is made up. It's, it's, it's not, there's nothing in science that shows willpower, what it is. Um, so I'll, that's a, another tangent. But who you are is what you do most consistently. We can always change what we do most consistently. We can always change the habits and the environment that we're in to allow us to be more consistent with it. If you're a person that's chronically late, if you're a person that um, can't always is excited to start a new task and can never finish it, well, you're kind of showing yourself who you are most consistently. So number five, talking about um, always be consistent. It is a, a great tool to start using your own muscle of being consistent. And consistency is really like a muscle. The more you start using it and using it, it becomes those habits, which take up to 66 days of doing consistently to make a habit. By flexing that muscle over and over and over, it just becomes a part of you. And by attempting to be consistent overall, you're going to win. By being on the 4% club and being mindful of your self-improvement and your, your active health, you're going to be more active and more healthy. It's just going to happen. You're going to be more, more involved in what you do. It's going to be on the forefront of your brain. You're going to think about it more. So uh, being consistent is, is another great um, step in your self-improvements because it allows you to consistently flex that muscle to set any of the goals that you have in mind. Okay, number six, go and find your happy place. <laughs> so this is the old Adam Sandler, um, you know, happy Gilmore. Uh, go find your happy place. And I, I laugh about that because um, Happy Gilmore was a golfing show where Adam Sandler was, I think he used to be a hockey player or something like that, and he ended up started golfing and he could hit the ball really far. And it was a funny kind of movie, but um, he couldn't putt at all. And the biggest thing that the guy would go and tell him is go to your happy, go to your happy place. So it always, him, he, he imagined something that was happy for him. But the key on that is, is not really having to go anywhere. You don't have to go to Tahiti or any of these places. It's, it's more about finding what you enjoy and what gives you peace. Um, part of your self-improvement is understanding yourself and being able to go to the well on what, what you truly enjoy. Um, some individuals, they don't know. 
They don't know what, what makes them happy. They don't know what, what kind of drives them. Um, they're in a chronic state of stress all the time. That's, that's always upon them. And they go from one venture to the next venture to the next venture. And it just, it, it just, they're always at a high anxiety level. And there's in, in a lot of times what happens is, is to find their happy place. They have to use an artificial stimulant or not even a stimulant, an artificial source, whether it be a drug, whether it be a prescription pill, whether it be um, a uh, person or relationship that's not always healthy for them. So number six, go and find your happy place is a great tool of self-improvement because it requires you to figure out who you are and what you truly enjoy and what, and what allows you to continuously grow through that enjoyment. So understanding what your happy places allows you to keep your overall wellness in the middle long-term. It's, it's another great tip, easy tip that you can do for, for self-improvement. Rob ended the last segment by stating, find your happy place. In this final session, Rob gives us a method of how to find our happy place through guided imagery. Meditation can help us grow into the best version of ourselves as we take time to reflect. Number four is guided imagery and imagery guided imagery. You've probably heard someone say, I'm in a happy place right now. Um, well, that's basically guided imagery. This technique can help you visualize positive scenes and images, which then can help you relax. It can help you cope with different stresses or fears and make you feel more at peace. But it's also a great way to boost your mood or unwind before you go to bed. So for the individuals where things just spin through their head, this might be a, a strategy for you. So how do we do it? Again, always you're getting in a comfortable meditation position. You can lie down, you can sit, whatever you prefer. You're going to close your eyes and begin really slowly with, with your breathing, breathing to a calming, relaxing rhythm. You're going to visualize a place where you feel content and calm. This might be somewhere that you've visited in the past, or you might imagine a scene of somewhere you'd like to go. And at this point, you're going to use your five senses to add as much detail to your image. What do you hear? Can you smell relaxing fragrances, such as trees, blooming flowers, or is something cooking? Are you warm or are you cold? Can you feel the air on your skin as the wind lightly blows? Is the sky bright or is it dark? The stormy is a full of stars. Imagine yourself moving forward. And as you move forward, you're feeling calmer and more peaceful as you enter your vision more deeply. As you continue to enter this vision, it adds more detail over and over. Continue breathing slowly as you look around the scene that you've created. You're fully experiencing it with all of your senses. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are you feeling? What, what, what? All is encompassing you. With each inhale, imagine peace and harmony entering your body. Visualize exhaustion, tension, 
and distress leaving your body as you exhale. When you feel that you're ready, you can leave your vision. Knowing you can return at any time can help your newfound sense of relaxation. And it can help it linger throughout the day. This can help you feel more in control of difficult feelings and allow you to manage stress and frustration more easily. So overall, guided imagery is another form of meditation. Again, can help people before bed that have racing thoughts. If you find that you cannot make the scene that you're visualizing really powerful in your five senses, it's probably because you're not able to fully invest your thoughts into it because you're thinking about the 10 other things in your life. But the more that you can get rid of those thoughts in your head, the more that you can just jump into the scene that you're creating and create as much detail in the feelings that you want. And that's the biggest part is those senses. I'm thinking of meditation. Like this is, this is for me, the, the number one, just being more self-aware of what's going on around you, being able to take just 15 minutes and just being able to check out in a way and, and reduce all the distraction around you. And not just for stress reduction, those, but just to be able to have 15 minutes where you have zero noise, you have zero stimulus. There's, there's no other um, visual auditory and you're just sitting there in your own thoughts. I think that's immensely powerful, immensely powerful, because that's when you start getting rid of a lot of the, 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 the issues in your life and you kind of get down to the root of it. And I've, I've mentioned this before that at times we will, we will fake ourselves out. And it is very, very, very hard to win an argument against yourself. Your body will, and your brain will fake you out and rationalize the result that you want in the end, not, and it might not be good for you and just take your exercise. Um, geez, I don't know if I want to go down and work out today. So all of a sudden your mind starts playing tricks on you. Oh, well, the roads are bad. Yeah, I might, I shouldn't go in today because the roads are bad. Um, you know what? I'll just go tomorrow or I'll go later today. That's what I'll do. I won't go at the same time that I've always done because the roads are bad. So what I'll do is I'll go later. And then later on in the day, it's, well, I had a hard day today emotionally. It's real, I'm really tired. Um, it's okay to have one off. And it doesn't matter if it's just fitness. It can be anything that you're trying to improve in your life. Your brain will start giving you rational reasons of why not to continue. And uh, Jill knows that in, a, in our discussions that we've had with our annual planning, we call this cognitive dissonance. Because when your values and what you want don't line up with the reality, there is a breakdown, there's confusion. And what happens is your body is trying to, or your brain is trying to find a rational reason. It's trying to explain it to you because there's cognitive dissonance. So meditation solely for self-awareness helps get rid of the clutter because one, you might be trying to fake yourself out or two, you find individuals that try and load up their day to distract themselves from their own thoughts. I'm going to listen to music. I'm going to go drop everything I'm doing to go run and help solve a problem for somebody else because now I don't have to think about what's in my own head. I am going to create unintentional turmoil in my life 
because now I don't have to think about my thoughts because now all I have to do is think about this person that's making my life terrible at Safeway because they didn't double wrap my meat and they put it in with the veggie. So you'll create stress that doesn't need to be there because now you can focus all your energy on there instead of yourself. So enhancing self-awareness can be huge for meditation. You get rid of the noise. You actually have to listen to what's between the two ears. And then you start figuring out a way to, to work with it. So uh, some of these forms of meditation might develop a stronger understanding of who you are, your own self, and help you grow into your best self. Becoming the best version of myself isn't easy, but Rob has given us some great tips for how to start that process. This concludes our first mashed up podcast called The Clinic Update. If you would like to listen to the original versions in their entirety, the links are provided in the podcast write-up. Also, feel free to click that subscribe button. We would love to have you join the team. Thanks for listening and keep moving.